What's up guys, welcome back to the John Summer Challenge. Today is July 21st. It is day 21 of the John Summer Challenge and we're finishing John chapter 12 with verses 12 through 50. And in our passage today, we enter into the final week of Jesus's life and ministry. This is the week leading up to Jesus's death on the cross and his resurrection from the grave. It is a Sunday in our passage commonly referred to as Palm Sunday, where hundreds of thousands of people are flocking into Jerusalem for the Passover. And what is everyone talking about as they travel there? One man, his name, Jesus Christ. The man who had just raised Lazarus from the dead a couple miles away. The man who has just performed countless miracles, doing good for the people, and claiming to be the true Messiah. The Messiah that everyone has been longing for. Excitement and chatter about Jesus has been building up to this very moment. It is the week that Jesus will die. This is the moment. The timing and location is perfect. Chosen by God himself before the foundation of the world to publicly present the King of Kings as he prepares for his own slaughter. Let's look at this King together in three parts. Three points for today. And the first one is this. Number one, the King's entrance. The King's entrance in verses 12 through 16. Now, the Jewish leaders are what? Furious. They're enraged. They want nothing more than to kill Jesus. But they know that they must wait until after the Passover finishes when everyone will go home because they're not sure how people will respond to their desire to kill Jesus. Now, remember, a lot of people actually like Jesus. And so the religious leaders are thinking, we, we're not sure how the people will respond. There might be a rebellion, a revolting against us, and our power and our authority might be taken away depending on how these people respond. So they want to wait till after the Passover when everybody goes home because there's so many people here watching right now. But Jesus certainly does not operate according to his enemy's timetable. Instead, he has perfectly chosen this very moment to make his entrance with hundreds of thousands of people flocking into Jerusalem for the Passover. Jesus will publicly, here, in this moment, identify as the Messiah and will, as a result, enrage the religious leaders even more and force them to speed up their plan to kill Jesus. And so here he is. Jesus enters into Jerusalem, escorted by what has what may be what could have been as many as 1 million people escorting Jesus into Jerusalem. All excitement has built around this one man, Jesus, the creator of the universe, the king of kings, making his triumphal entry on a donkey on a donkey yeah this is the humility of our king jesus who is fully god the king of kings does not enter into jerusalem in a golden crested chariot no he enters on a donkey no not even a donkey 
a baby donkey. This was to fulfill prophecy. And Zechariah 9.9 says, Rejoice greatly in the, in the Old Testament, O daughter of Zion. Shout in triumph, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and endowed with salvation, humble and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Jesus was not concerned with pleasing the people's desire for an earthly king. They wanted a warrior king to come with warrior horses on a chariot, this great man, this strong king. No, Jesus enters Jerusalem as a humble prince of peace. That is our king. And that is his entrance. Now, point number two, the king's people. The king's people. Who are the king's people? In verses 17 through 26, well, unintentionally, these Pharisees who were so enraged by Jesus's triumphal entry actually make a true prediction. And maybe this is just John the Apostle writing this and, and predicting and foreshadowing what Jesus would come to do. Look at verse 19. It says, So the Pharisees said to one another, You see that you are not doing any good. Look, the world has gone after him. Now, the world here is a hyperbole, right? Not everyone in the entire world is coming after Jesus, but people in general. And this is true. This is the king, not only of this small nation, but of the entire world. This is Jesus, the king of kings, the king of the entire universe. This king has come to save the world. Not every person in this world, but all kinds of people throughout this world. Not all without exception, but all without distinction will come to Christ for salvation. It doesn't matter who you are. The gospel is genuinely offered to all people. And we see this as we move on in our passage. It doesn't matter if you're Jew or Greek. Verse 20. Now there were some Greeks among those who were going up to worship at the feast. Verse 21. These then came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and began to ask him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. These were Gentiles who abandoned their pagan religion and have turned to worship the true God. They say, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Isn't that sweet? All can come to Christ. All are welcome. But how? How can this be possible? Well, Jesus explains in verse 23 through 24. And Jesus answered them saying, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Jesus is saying that he must die in order to bring about the salvation of the world. But not only him. Look at verse 25 through 26. He who loves his life loses it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it to life eternal. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. 
All who wish to follow after Jesus for salvation must follow him to where he is going. And where is Jesus going? He is going to the cross. Matthew 16, verse 24 to 27 says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? The purpose of this king is to save the world. All can come to Christ. All can be saved by him. How? Jesus must die on the cross to make it possible. He must satisfy the wrath of God. Possible for all who will die with him. All who are willing to give their lives to Jesus, deny themselves, and follow him. Jesus makes this requirement clear as he looks out into the crowd and knows that most have only a superficial faith, a mere emotional buzz. These same people who are shouting and waving branches, they're shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, which means save now, I pray, or deliver us. These same people will four days later be shouting, crucify him, crucify him. So Jesus makes this requirement clear. Yes, salvation is offered to all people throughout the world. And I must die on the cross in order to make salvation possible. But who must also die? Every single person who wishes to be saved must die with me, must take up their cross, deny themselves, and follow me. This is a requirement and this is the purpose of the king to bring salvation to lost sinners like you and I and now number three lastly the king's purpose the king's purpose in verses 27 through 50 now Jesus is grappling with the very purpose of his coming with the reality of his soon death on the cross where he will not only willingly suffer and die on the cross, such a humiliating and torturous death. But even worse, he will take on the full wrath of God for sins that he did not commit. Look at verse 27. He agonizes. He says, Now my soul has become troubled. And what shall I say, Father, save me from this hour? But for this purpose I came to this hour. Now, the word troubled literally means to shake or to stir up. Jesus is greatly disturbed, greatly unsettled, and greatly horrified of what is to come. This is an ongoing struggle and agony for the sinless Savior who is preparing to endure divine judgment for sin. This shows the humanity of Jesus, our sympathetic high priest, the one who can relate to us. Look what he says in verse 28. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came out of heaven. I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. How is God glorified by the slaughter of his own son? It is because Jesus' death will satisfy the justice of God when he endures the full wrath of God. 
And God is greatly glorified by the rescue of sinners, by those who become who who turn from rejectors of God and are made to worship God, rejectors into worshipers of God. That is when God is glorified. And then Jesus says this in verse 31 to 32. Now judgment is upon this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. There will one day be a final judgment. But if you have given your life to Christ, if you have repented from your sins, turn away from it and put your faith in Jesus Christ, then you have already been judged. How? Well, Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. True believers in Christ are united with him. We see that in Romans 6. And therefore, our sins have been paid for already. Not by us in hell like we deserve, but by Christ who endured hell for us. But sadly, even with these words of hope from Jesus, he says in verse 37, But though he had performed so many signs before them, yet they were not believing in him. Then Jesus says in verse 46, I have come as light into the world so that everyone who believes in me will not remain in darkness. Then in verse 48, He who rejects me and does not receive my sayings, he has one who judges him. The word I spoke is what will judge him at the last day. So the question again, it's always this, what will you do with this glorious gospel? The fact that Jesus would come as a man humbly and would ride in on a donkey in full humility as a prince of peace leading up to his death on the cross where he will suffer and endure the full wrath of God. He will raise again from the dead, defeating death and offering all who will put their faith in him new life in him. What will you do with this glorious gospel? Will you respond? Will you accept Jesus Christ, put your faith in him and turn away from your sins? Or will you be like these Pharisees, like these fickle and fake people who are shouting Hosanna, but will one day, four days later, shout crucify him, crucify him? Which one are you? The one with the desire that says, sir, we wish to see Jesus. Or the one who will ultimately put Jesus on the cross. How will you respond? Well, that's it for today's devotional. I've got three questions for you. Number one, why did Jesus enter Jerusalem on a donkey? Number two, who is salvation offered to? Number three, how is salvation made possible? Submit your answers to those questions and you will be done with day 21 of the John Summer Challenge. I'll see you tomorrow for day 22.